Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. of the Let's Talk Football podcast. I'm your host, Billy Powell, and with the fixtures coming thick and fast in this festive period, we have another Game Week Roundup episode for you. Getting straight into things, we'll start off with the games that took place on Tuesday when Chelsea travelled to Wolves and Manchester City hosted West Brom at the Etihad. Starting off with the Chelsea Wolves game, and both teams were coming into the game off the back of defeats, and both teams were also looking to rectify that. Early on it was Chelsea that had the best of the chances and Kurt Zouma very nearly scored his fifth goal of the campaign with his header off a Mason Mount corner crashing off the bar. It looked like Giroud could have turned the ball in off the rebound but he just couldn't sort his feet out in time and the ball bounced wide off of his knee. That opportunity was the best of the half as both teams went into the break level on terms. It wasn't long after half-time, though, when Chelsea finally got their goal through that man, Olivier Giroud, yet again. It came from Ben Chilwell's low cross into the box, which Olivier Giroud was able to volley, and it just had enough power to get through the gloves of Rui Patricio and over the line. Wolves reacted brilliantly, though. Pedro Neto's cross into the box was cleared away for a corner, but that was then taken short and eventually found its way to Daniel Pedence, whose near-post shot beat Mendy at the near-post as the game got back on level terms. The game looked like it was going to end in a draw, but you really never do know in football, and especially when there's a team with the pace that Wolves have. In the 95th minute, Vitina picked up the ball in the middle of the park, who then played it on to Pedro Neto, and it was his shot from just inside the box that meant all three points stayed in Wolverhampton. Nuno and Wolves will be very happy to get that win, and especially after a poor run in recent times. But that makes it two losses in two now for Mr Lampard, as his side drop out of the Champions League spots. The second game to take place on Tuesday night was between Manchester City and West Brom. 
Before the game, I expected this to be another one of those games where Man City pin a team back for the full 90 minutes and then the other team will just try to counter when they can. And that's exactly what happened here too. Saying that though, West Brom did have the first big chance of the game through Carlin Grant after some nice play down the left, but his shot was saved by Edison. A poor effort really, and being a Premier League striker, he's got to be scoring those kind of chances. Anyways, after that, Man City did pin them back and finally got themselves a goal in the 30th minute from Gundogan. You thought now that the floodlights may start to open up a bit for Man City and that they'd get a few more clear-cut chances, but it just didn't happen. Man City were very sloppy with the way that they were passing the ball and in the final third, their delivery was very woeful. In the 43rd minute, a West Brom free kick was punted into the box, which was cleared away, but only as far as Romain Sawyers, and it was his header back across towards goal that landed at the feet of Ajayi, and his shot was deflected in off Ruben Diaz into the goal past Edison. Very unfortunate for City, but West Brom won't care as the game went into half-time with both teams on level terms. The second half was much like the first, the only difference being that City were able to get more shots off. That didn't matter though as Sam Johnston had the game of his life and was able to keep every single one of the shots out. Just to put that into perspective, in the second half alone, Man City had a total of 20 shots. Of course they weren't all on target, but 20 shots for a team like Man City. You'd definitely be expecting at least one or two of them to go in, but Johnston had other ideas. The game ended 1-1 and what a point that is for West Brom in the fight for survival. That now means they're only two points off Burnley in 17th. The West Bromwich Albion board weren't so happy though as on Wednesday morning they confirmed the sacking of Slaven Bilic. What they're thinking I'm not too sure and it certainly upset the West Brom fans. Later that night it was confirmed that Sam Allardyce will be taking over at the Hawthorns. Personally, I don't understand why they sacked Bilic in the first place, but bringing in someone like Allardyce will mean that they're just able to grind out results one way or another. I do still think West Brom will go down, but it's going to be close. You never know, it may you may even see it go down to the last day like it did last year. Anyways, moving on to Wednesday, and it was the first time in a very long time that groups of games were played at the same time. Southampton against Arsenal, Leeds versus Newcastle and Leicester Man City were the earlier fixtures. Leicester against Everton were the earlier fixtures. Fulham took on Brighton, Liverpool hosted Spurs and Crystal Palace travelled across the capital in the second group of games. We'll go through those games in that order too, starting off with the Gunners hosting the Saints at the Emirates. Prior to this game, Arsenal had only been able to pick up one point from their previous four games whereas Southampton had been able to pick up seven points in their previous four, scoring eight in that time, and it wasn't long before they were off the mark here either. 18 minutes was all it took for former Gooner Theo Walcott to latch on the end of a Che Adams through ball, which he very calmly dinked over Burnt Leno in the Arsenal goal. The first half saw Arsenal pinned back for the majority of it, with Southampton very much on the front foot. And that continued into the second half with Southampton holding a 72% of the ball in the second 45. 
Unfortunately for them, though, it wasn't enough to keep Arsenal out, though, as Aubameyang scored his first goal from open play since the opening game of the season against Fulham. Only six minutes after the goal, in the 58th minute, Gabriel was given a booking for kicking the ball away. And only a few minutes after the first, he was booked again for dragging Theo Walcott down whilst he was on the attack. Very unnecessary, and that now makes it seven red cards for Arsenal in 12 months. Southampton continued to push forward and stayed on the front foot, but it was Arsenal who very nearly nicked it at the end. Saka's delivery in from a free kick was headed towards goal by Rob Holding, but it was only greeted by the bar. 1-1 is how the game ended. Um, Arteta, I'm sure, will be very happy with the result as Arsenal finally get another point on the board, which they'll be looking to build on at the weekend as they face Everton, which certainly won't be easy, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. We'll move on to the Leeds game now, in which a seven-goal thriller took place at Elland Road. Newcastle took the lead through Jeff Hendrick after a cross which was flicked on by Callum Wilson. Nine minutes later, the game was back on level terms, and who else but Patrick Bamford getting the goal for Leeds. It was Leeds' new signing, Rafinha, who crossed the ball into their record signing, Rodrigo, and it was his looped header which came off the bar straight into the path of Bamford, who just had to tap it in. The game was level at half-time, but in the second 45, Leeds did a Leeds and continued to constantly push, which was eventually awarded, just after that, just after the hour mark. <clears throat> Jack Harrison was able to cross in a ball which looked to be too far for him to get, but in the middle, record signing Rodrigo was there to head it home. Leeds were not in, the, in front for long, though. Only four minutes later, Newcastle were back on level terms. A corner put in by Ryan Fraser was met by the head of former Villa man, Kieran Clark, as he headed it home. Stuart Dallas then bagged to put Leeds ahead for the third time, for the second time in the match, as Matthias Klick's delivery travelled past everyone, only for Dallas to eventually turn it in at the back stick. After yet another counter-attack, it was Alioski's time to grab a goal to put the home side up 4-2. Just three minutes later, four became five when Jack Harrison scored the goal of the game when his strike from outside the box nestled into the top corner past Carl Darlow. Fortunately, to avoid further humiliation for Newcastle, that's how the game ended. Personally, that doesn't that result just doesn't surprise me at all, particularly when considering that the two managers have such contrasting tactics. You know, you've got Bielsa with his constant press, and then Bruce with his Bruce with his constant sit back counter ideas. That game moved Leeds up to thirteenth spot, just above Newcastle. The last game of the early group of fixtures was between Leicester and Everton with Carlo Ancelotti looking very unsettled with his goalkeeping options by constantly chopping and changing between Pickford and Olsen. It was Olsen's turn to take the gloves between the sticks at the King Power. And it was Leicester who had the first chance of the half, as Jamie Vardy teed it back to Yuri Tielemans, but his shot didn't worry the Swedish international as it went wide of the post. It was Everton who picked up the first goal of the evening, and it came from in the form of Rich Arlison. He cut in from the left flank onto his stronger right foot, and from about 22 yards out, his efforts somehow managed to squeeze in at the back post and beat Kasper Schmeichel. The keeper should really do him better, but that won't stop the Toffees from celebrating. 
The first goal ended 1-0 in a very close game with neither team really forcing either keeper into doing much. And that's a similar way the second half went to. That was until the 72nd minute when Everton won a corner which was whipped in by Gilvie Sigurdsson. Michael King got his head to it which was saved by Schmeichel but the ball then rebounded to Calvert-Lewin whose shot was also saved before eventually being turned in by Mason Holgate who bagged his first Everton goal. Leicester looked like they could have made a late comeback when referee Lee Mason pointed to the spot. After having a look back though, VAR did make the correct decision by overturning the penalty as the game ended in a 2-0 Everton win. Two massive back-to-back wins now for Everton as they seem to have found their form from the beginning of the season again. Leicester, on the other hand, will be very disappointed with not being able to take their chances. Only two shots on target out of 16 taken just isn't good enough for a team like Leicester. And they'll be looking to make a statement at the weekend by bouncing back against Spurs. The first game of the later group of matches was between Fulham and Brighton at the Cottage. And honestly, there really isn't much to report on this one. A fairly even half, first half, with both teams having very minimal chances, saw the two teams going to the break on level terms. The second half was much of the same, but this time we did see the ball going to the back of the net. Adam Lalana, it was who got the goal, but unfortunately for the Seagulls, in the play just before, as the ball came in from Solly March, the ball kicked up and hit Danny Welbeck's hand, which ultimately laid it off to Lalana as the goal was ruled out. Later on into the game, Ruben Loftus-Cheek found himself one-on-one with the keeper, but his effort was saved. Those kind of chances you've got to be taking, and especially whilst down there battling for relegation. But it just wasn't to be free the team as it ended 0-0, and both games went home with a point. Graham Potter, I can imagine, will be very disappointed his plays didn't get all three points, but credit to Fulham. They're now three games without a loss and in fairness to them, they do look like they're playing some decent football at times. As I said when talking about West Brom earlier, it's going to be a very close and very entertaining watch down the bottom of the table this season. Wednesday's penultimate game was between the top two sides in Liverpool and Spurs. Both teams were coming into the game on high on confidence and high on form as it shaped up to be a very interesting game. But with the way the Manchester derby won, I was really hoping that this game wouldn't end the same. And fortunately, it didn't. The deadlock was broken in the 26th minute after Mo Salah's shot came off the defender and looped into the far corner past Hugo Lloris. Liverpool continued to push for a second, but it was Spurs with their only shot of the half that got the second goal of the game. After a very quick transition, Hyungmin Son saw himself one-on-one with the keeper after a pass through from Giovanni Lacelso, and there was no doubt that he'd finish it. The second half though saw Spurs open up a bit more in the early stages. Harry Kane had a long-range effort after he dispossessed Alisson's pass out wide, but his shot was saved. Steven Bergwijn then saw himself one-on-one with Alisson, but this time he could only hit the post. Harry Kane then had another golden opportunity from the resulting corner, but he headed it onto the, too far into the ground and it bounced over the bar. After their flurry of chances though, Liverpool were able to pin Spurs back for the rest of the game and they after that they just looked like the only team that were going to score. 
And they finally got the winner in the 89th minute from a Roberto Firmino header. That now puts Liverpool in pole position for the title as it puts them three points ahead of Spurs. Yes, of course, it's only early days, but Liverpool aren't the bottlers that they used to be. And it's going to be very, very hard for Spurs to gain the points on them. Two London derbies in two games for Crystal Palace as this time they travelled to the London Stadium to take on a West Ham side perched in 8th. It was a very even game but it was the visitors who got the first goal of the game and it was Christian Benteke again who got the goal. He's finally back to doing what he does best which I'm over the moon for him about but typically he's just finding his form just in time to play Villa on Boxing Day. Either way, I'm very happy he's getting on the score sheet. And we're just going to have to hope he has an off day against the Villa. Anyways, the score at half-time was 1-0. But it wasn't long before the level was tied. Vladimir Kufal put in a beautiful delivery into the box. And Sebastian Haller scored one of the goals of the season. If you haven't already seen it, just search for the highlights for the game on YouTube and go and watch. Because it was an unbelievable overhead kick to level the game. In the 70th minute, Benteke got himself sent off for a second booking. Which is one of the most balmy bookings I've ever seen. As he was literally just jumping to head the ball. But with Palace down to 10 men for the remaining 20 minutes. West Ham were very much on the front foot but just couldn't get their winner. 1-1 is how the game ended. And to me, I'd say that was a fair result. Moving on to the last two games of the game week now and we've got the two games that took place on Thursday. The first at which was at Villa Park between Aston Villa and Burnley. I'm going to go over this one fairly quickly because because as a Villa fan I can't remember a game that was quite as frustrating and that got me so infuriated as this game did here. Villa had 27 shots. Yes, you heard that right. 27 shots two seven but we just not could we just couldn't finish our chances Anwar Ghazi had eight of those opportunities for himself three of those which were on target and two of those might as well have just been passed backs to the keeper Nick Pope really wasn't put under any trouble at all and it was actually Burnley who had the best chance of the game Burnley put in a perfect delivery into bot into the box as a free Chris Wood was able to get his head to it. Fortunately, we've got Emmy Martinez who can keep us in games, as I genuinely believe that any that most keepers wouldn't have been able to do much with that at all. Overall, a very poor Villa performance and a very wasteful finishing cost us as we played into Burnley's hands. They'll be delighted to come away with a point, but Villa but Villa will be and are very disappointed that they couldn't take all three points. A tough trip to the Hawthorns is next for this Villa side as we'll be facing Sam Allardyce in his first game in charge. The final game this week was between the two Northern Uniteds, Sheffield and Manchester. Coming into this game, you'd have thought that it would have been a walk in the park for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team, but that wasn't necessarily the case. Certainly early on anyway, as it was the side with one point all season that got the first goal. After some dilly-dallying at the back, Oli Burke chased down Dean Henderson in the United goal as he was dispossessed and the ball landed to David McGoldrick who just tapped it home to put the blades ahead. 
It wasn't for long, though, as Victor Lindelof played a beautiful ball over the top to Marcus Rashford, who had two touches before the ball rattled the net. A fantastic goal when you factor in the quality needed to take the ball down like he did. Anthony Martial then scored his first goal of the season only seven minutes later to put United ahead. United were very comfortable for large periods of the game, but fair play to Sheffield United. At times they did pressure them and they did make United work. 2-1 was the score at half-time, but soon after 2 became 3. And where do I start with this goal? This is another one you need to look up if you have already haven't. A great counter-attacking move all started off with some beautiful skill from Pogba. He then passed it into the midfield as Man United launched players forward. And it was Marcus Rashford again who finished off the move by putting the ball past Ramsdale. Just when you thought that United, that the United of Manchester were going to run away with it, David McGoldrick popped up with a goal again, but this time off a corner with only three minutes plus injury time to go. It really did put Man United on the back foot and as they looked to hold on. Fortunately for the Red Devils, they were able to hang on as it kept them in sixth place with a tough game against Leeds next up for them. Sheffield United, on the other hand, have gotten off to the worst start in history as they sit on one point after 13 games played. I said in previous episodes that Wilder may be counting down his days, but that wasn't to be the case as the board have come out publicly backing Wilder. A very strange one for me as if they need to turn their season around, they really will need a miracle. But it's just one of those that you've just got to wait and see what happens. And if Sheffield United can get out of it, then fair play to them. But that's all from me today. Thank you very much for listening. I've been your host, Billy Powell. Please don't forget to check us out and drop us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at LTFootballPod. I'll see you back here very soon for another episode. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.